Hello. In today's episode, we're going to talk about something that can really tear you apart because it seems to be happening to you and sometimes it seems like you have no power over it. And that is the issue of having a hijackal, a toxic ex who is trying to manipulate the children into believing you're a bad parent and doing what we call parental alienation. My guest today, Coach Nikki Bruno, has been through that situation herself and she did a lot of research. She figured out a 10-point plan to help her not have that happen to her, and it worked. So we're going to share that today. So I hope that you will stay tuned and enjoy this episode of Emotional Savvy. Welcome to Emotional Savvy, the Relationship Help Show. I'm Dr. Roberta Shaler. If you're ready to increase your confidence in conversations and conflict, deepen your self-awareness, expand your connectedness, and enrich your relationship with yourself and other humans you care about, and even those you wish you didn't, you're in the right place. Enjoy today's episode. Welcome back. I'm so glad that you're with us and here for this wonderful time we're going to spend with my guest, um, Nikki. And Nikki is a coach and she is very, very well experienced in walking through the paths of the things that come along with divorce. Some of the things that we have to walk through that we didn't want to, maybe didn't expect or expected and feared, and then had to figure out the best way for ourselves and if we have children for ourselves as well. So I'm so excited to have Nikki Bruno with me and welcome to the program, Nikki. Thank you so much, Dr. Shaler. I really appreciate being here. It's an honor. Well, I'm I'm so delighted that you're here because we're going to talk about something that often we don't get to talk about enough. I know that my people say, are you going to talk about it again? And the answer is yes, and we're going to talk about it today and right now. And that's the topic of parental alienation. It is perhaps the most hopeless, helpless feeling in the world until you get some skills, isn't it, Nikki? Absolutely. Absolutely. I can't really think of a topic that I that that brings pain to my heart yeah. more sharply than this topic. Yes, and let me just say a few things about parental alienation and kind of set the the stage for it. Parental alienation is when one parent decides that they want the children to like them best. And then they start planting seeds or making statements or taking actions that hopefully in their minds cause the children to like them more and to not like their other parent. So that's where the alienation comes. And I'll give you a little more research to nuance approach with this that I found. I think this is very good. Um, it comes from a Psychology Today blogger, Edward Crook, and he said, a survey taken at the Association of Family and Conciliation Courts annual 2014 conference reported 98% agreement in support of the basic tenet of parental alienation. Children can be manipulated by one parent 
to reject the other parent who does not deserve to be rejected. For the child, the biopsychosocial spiritual effects of parental alienation are devastating. For both the alienated parent and child, the removal and denial of contact in the absence of neglect or abuse constitute, constitute cruel and unusual treatment. As a form of child maltreatment, parental alienation is a serious child protection matter as it undermines a basic principle of social justice for children, the right to know and be cared for by both of one's parents. So that's what we're talking about, that horrible feeling when all of a sudden the children come home from visiting the other parent or even still in the same house with the other parent and they say things like, um, Daddy says that you don't care about us very much. And your heart just drops. How was it for you? How did it show up? Well, what you just brought up, first of all, I'm so glad that you provided that context and thank you so much, Dr. Shaler. Um, that's really how it showed up for me. So when I first witnessed parental alienation, it was when my then husband and I were still in the same house. Um, I had filed for divorce and that created, immediately created an incredible amount of conflict. Um, it was the initiation of going through a high conflict divorce. My husband was very much against divorce and I was in favor of it and, and, and very much advocating for it. And so what I was noticing in terms of alienation were acts that were taking place right in front of my very eyes. One example was, um, I would make a meal or one of us would make dinner and then we would go into the dining room where we normally would eat as a family and my husband would say, come on guys, we're going to go eat in the playroom tonight. Ooh. So, you know, I would walk in and start to sit down and he would, he would say, come on guys, we're going to go eat in the playroom tonight. Um, and at the time, my daughter was not quite yet a year old and my son was four years old. And, or maybe he was in his late three. <laughs> um, but so f literal physical acts to separate our kids from me within our own house and to kind of alienate and marginalize me within our own home. And then later on, when we were separated and living in two, two places, um, that was when I was witnessing basically things that my son would say and eventually things that my daughter would say. So my, as I said, my daughter was very young. And so I do want to, it's, it's important to me in this conversation to be really clear about how old my children were at this time. Mm -hmm. Because when I talk about how I fought against parental alienation, I want to make it clear that the kind of strategies or ideas that I used may or may not be appropriate to children of other ages. Well, I'm glad you made that distinction and we'll certainly hold on to that. But let me say something about that, Nikki. The fact that Nikki's children were very young is extremely important to take note of because when the children are very young, this is the time before language when things are set into them. 
In fact, we know, and you know I am always talking about hijackals, the relentlessly difficult people in life, but what we know about all people, whether or not they have hijackal tendencies, is that things are set very early on unless there is some major trauma later in life that causes to put that in motion. So we know that children of six months 12 months, 18 months, 24 months. These are critical places where the children are understanding whether or not they're safe in the world, how they're safe in the world, who makes them safe in the world, how it is to be alive, how to thrive, how to survive, all of these things. So what you're bringing up here, Nikki, is saying, all right, my children were very young and it started then. When they didn't have a language, when they didn't have anything except openness and love for the giants that brought them into the world who needed and they needed them so desperately to keep them safe one giant is saying basically we're not going to sit with mommy tonight we're just going to move away we're going to be a unit and mommy's going to be excluded yes and another point i'd like to make is that acts of parental alienation some of them are really obvious and blatant and others are not so obvious and blatant so um, one example that I that I very much want to give is that um, when after I filed for divorce, I begged my husband not to tell our children without me yeah. or without at least us having a conversation about how we were going to present it. But I I I knew in divorce 101, according to <laughs> divorce 101, and sort of humanity 101 that when you get divorced and there's going to be um when there's going to be a major change to your children's day-to-day -day life or to your children's life at large you and you're married and they have two equal caregivers you tell them together and that was one of the first first acts that occurred in my situation which was that my husband presented to our children the fact that we mommy and daddy were not going to be together anymore by himself without telling me he was going to do it. So he told them without me. Mm -hmm. that's, and, one, that's another example. And you know, that is so common, Nikki. And everyone listening, the ideal is exactly what Nikki said. These children have half of each of your DNA. They are attached to both of you similarly and differently. They need to hear that it's a joint decision they need to be taken care of and not have any information more than what their age and stage of understanding can be and you're absolutely right they needed to be told together but let me just say this nikki that is a true hijackal move now i don't know your situation i don't know your ex i don't know anything about that i'm not making comments about that but i want to take note for everybody who is wondering that is a true hijackal move and how is it a hijackal move they must be the one who wins so telling your child without your presence especially because you especially ask for that not to happen to a hijackal spouse would be a huge win. I got to do it my way. I can do anything I want. So take note if you happen to be having these things and ask yourself, is that a pattern in your relationship? Because parental alienation may not be far behind if it is. So what did you do, Nikki, once you recognized that the children had been told? What did they say to you and how did you handle it? Well, 
my children didn't say anything to me at that time. Um, what I, it was later on when I really started to notice the impacts of, of alienation and of alienating acts. So as I said, while we were still living in the same place, I was, I was witnessing the, the acts, some of them in real time. Later on, um, maybe about starting six months later, when, we, when my husband and I were separated, I was starting to hear mostly from my son. So as I said, my daughter was, she was just starting to be verbal and the divorce process took three years. And so when, it re when the rubber really hit the road and I could really see, hear and see the effects were when my son was about four years old. So between four and five. And he started coming to me and saying things like, mommy, daddy says you're a liar. Is that true? Another one was, Daddy says that you don't make any money. Is that true? And then I started receiving the question first from my son and then from my daughter, why did you divorce Daddy? So that speaks, Dr. Shaler, to what you were saying about um, it has to be a, it has to be presented to children as a, a joint decision. This was not presented by my husband as a joint decision. This was presented <laughs> as, and I learned straight from my children's mouth that the narrative they received from him was mommy left me and our family. Right. It's so mommy's mommy, fault. Mommy abandoned you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So what an amazing one-upmanship, right? And that's exactly what happens. And that's the exact reason that they do it is to be the one on top of the pile. I'm good. Mommy's bad. I'm the one who saved you. I'm the one who wanted you. Mommy didn't. Mommy walked away. I would have kept her. I would have done it. Nothing to do with me. No flies on me at all. I am the wonder parent and the other parent is not. So if you're listening and this is making sense to you, really think about these things. Listen to other episodes where we talk about the nature of hijackles. Hijackles, in my definition, is my term. I trademarked the term so that we would stay away from psychological diagnoses. The hijackles, I, I just define them by patterns and traits and cycles. So you don't need any psychological labels. But my definition of a hijackle is a person who hijacks a relationship for their own purposes and then proceeds to relentlessly scavenge it for power, status, and control. So here's what we're seeing, power, status, and control. I'm the good parent. Mommy's the bad parent. I am the one who is going to take care of you. Mommy isn't, right? We're, we're just that positioning that was going on. So how did you begin to counteract what was happening as soon as you really began to, to understand the depth and perhaps the length that it had been going on, because even without language, the children are getting it. They pick it up in the ether. Yes. I created a 10-prong plan to <laughs> battle parental alienation. I got really, really serious about it, and I can't think of a time in my life where I was more determined to make sure that I succeeded. So it's interesting that you mentioned about hijackals and the need to win. I, I needed to, maybe winning is the wrong, winning is the wrong word here. I needed to succeed. I needed to make sure that my children did not grow up with this view of what, of their parents, of me. And I also needed to make sure that 
I remained buddies with my own son. <laughs> sure. Because yeah. yeah. my son and I, this wasn't really happening with my daughter. It never really, what happened with my son ultimately was that he started pulling away from me. And so in addition to saying those types of things, he also started to pull away from me. And I could tell he was mad at me. He had this general anger toward me and he was expressing it. So well, certainly just just let me interject for a moment because there's a lot of pieces to the story that we need to understand you know when sh we have issues in in the situation that we also have to look at which is the older child being male bonded to the male parent and the male parent begins this parental alienation process there is weight in that in a different way than when the eldest child is a girl and there's parental alienation all these pieces are different so just notice that you know all of this is not like oh this is the way it's going to be it's going to be a little bit different in the different situations so you know the the male daddy bond with your son being the older of your two children is a different kind of bond and more likely to take place because they need to bond to be the same right and so that happens so please go on sure so the first thing that i did and as i said eventually there there were 10 prongs to this plan and i wrote it down on my computer and Good. i have it in front of me right now i kept it um and I'm, I'm very passionate about this and i want to say that this this plan came from me this wasn't this wasn't kind of a a 10 prong plan copywritten by somebody else. This came from me, I put it together. And it came, from a, it came from a mom in a lot of pain who was absolutely determined to, to, to fight this and to make sure that I, that, that I remained buddies with my son. So the first thing that I did is, um, is personal research. So I did my own research into what is parental alienation? And I discovered in doing some research that it's a thing. It's something that happens a lot. It's something that according to one study in 1991, happens in something like 86% of, of divorce cases. It's something that, that, that is, is really common. You know, so it's not just common to a certain type of person. It's common in a lot of situations. Let, let me just interject there. Um, when we're talking about that commonality, we have to be careful to realize that it may be very subtle because people are hurt or it may be very overt as it was in your case. So when we're talking about 86%, I don't know that statistic, but I know that when you're really hurt by your partner, you really want the kids to like you. And so there can be from that point of view of just like, I'm crushed and I need my kids to, I'm going to make sure that my partner is crushed like a gnat and, and that the kids don't even want to go there. They don't like them and they will want to spend all their time with me. So, what, you know, when we're listening to statistics like that, uh, know that there aren't clear criteria. It could be a very, very broad spectrum. Absolutely. Absolutely. So personal research, that was kind of prong number one, was me getting a handle on what, what is this phenomenon and what am, I, what am I facing here? What are my children facing here? And that was also, I read an article that made a big difference to me. And the title of that article was Parental Alienation is Child Abuse. Yes. And that really, seeing it in those terms, and I completely, I completely agree. It's just true. It's psychologically true that it's a form, not only is parental alienation a form of child abuse, it's also a form of domestic abuse mm -hmm. because it's abusive to the person you are attempting to isolate, marginalize, and basically erase from your child's experience. 
So um, I did I did some research and that really helped affirm for me not only what was going on, but how how high the stakes were and how important it was for me to take action. So that was the first kind of prong. And then the next strategy for me was, um, and I want to say, I did not actually enact every single one of these prongs, but they were, they, were potential, they were potential strategies that I would use if I felt that I needed to or if it wasn't stopping. So the next one was direct communication from me to my husband. Direct communication. So okay, I, now let's, let's talk about this one a little bit in depth because sometimes direct communication is great and I really want to hear your experience and sometimes we have to say no. Go through something like Talking Parents or Our Family Wizard and have no direct communication. So let's talk about what you learned. Okay. I sent, as I said, step one was doing research. And I decided that it was extremely important to me to very directly communicate with my husband. Something bad is going on. You're doing something that is not good. Um, and I want it to stop. And here's some evidence. So I, I, tried to, I tried to keep it as factual as possible. And basically the content of my email was, there's this thing called parental alienation here's what parental alienation is. And I, I, I provided citations within this email message because I didn't want it to come from me. Hey, there's this thing that you're doing and I think it's bad. So I, I presented, this is, what parent, this is what parental alienation is. This, um, these are some examples of alienating behaviors. These are examples of your behaviors that have been alienated. And I provided examples, factual examples. I then talked about these are the, the harmful impacts that parental alienation has on children. And I also stated that parental alienation is a form of child abuse. And um, I then said, please, I basically said, please stop this behavior immediately and forever. Mm -hmm. um, so this is not okay. You're doing it here's why it's not okay, and please stop it right away. And what was, was his response? He didn't respond. Right. He didn't respond. Um, however, the behavior changed. In what way? I don't know exactly what happened. I don't know exactly what his reaction was. Um, so I can't speak for him, obviously, but I am pretty sure based on the behavior of my son and what he, you know, he wasn't continuing to come to me and saying things like, Hey, daddy says that you suck, <laughs> you know? <laughs> so it was so, so it, it, my belief to this day is that it made that it made a positive difference. Okay. He did not he didn't respond to it. Okay. Well, here's a couple of things. You know, again, what Nikki's saying is very personal to her. I just want to give larger context for everybody who's in this situation. Um, sometimes you can do that and 
the other person can listen. But when you're with a hijackal, if by any chance you are, um, they're going to take that in one of two ways. Either going to take it and turn it against you, or they're going to recognize that you are onto them and you have started to document everything that looks like that and it's not going to go well. So the ability to win is reduced. So it can go in both those directions, but I'm so glad that it started. Was there any evidence that it went underground that your, your ex started telling the children not to report what he said to them? No, I don't have, I don't have evidence of that, but I suspect that, I suspect that there's an understanding with, or, or was an understanding perhaps with my son that he wasn't to, to talk to me about really anything that goes on at daddy's house but i do not have direct evidence of that Absolutely. okay well just just for everybody you know that's one of the things that will happen is you know we have a special thing we talk together and the things that we talk about are just for us so don't you know don't tell mommy about that because it's ours you know and and things go on like that now we're on prong number two out of ten so i want to hear the rest of them so let's keep going okay um, so another prong, another prong was, um, was an idea to communicate through attorneys, to communicate with directly, to indirectly. So, so to communicate asking kind of, kind of like a, a request for him to, to, to cease and desist the behavior, uh, from my attorney to his attorney. Um, okay. that didn't happen because ultimately I decided to, to, to do the communicating myself. Another was that um, I advocated for my son to be in therapy. Um, and okay, I'm going to jump in for a second because on that one, that was a good prong. Number three, you know, to, to tell how the attorney proactively say, this is what parental alienation looks like. And we're, we're looking at it. We're, we're very clearly documenting it. Now, it can drive things underground, but it can also put the person on notice that you better find another way to get your jollies, right? <laughs> that this is not the way that we're going to handle that. So great. Carry on. Um, next, I consulted with a child psychologist. So I, um, and I also consulted with my own therapist. So those are two more. Um, I have seen the same therapist for the last seven years and, oh, great. Um, and so she, she knew everything as it was going along. And so we would talk about this kind of stuff every week. So I consulted with her about it. What's happening here? How do I handle this with, um, with my children? And I also, so she is not a child psychologist, but she has a, a cooperating child psychologist in her practice. And so I think it was on three occasions, maybe four, I had a meeting just just a one-on-one -on -one meeting with a child psychologist and she helped me to um, to do something um, that I that I think in my situation was a really good idea which was to create an alternative narrative for my children of what happened in mommy and daddy's marriage very good mm -hmm. because the narrative that they were presented first and that they have been continually presented now for years is that mommy left daddy, mommy left our family, um, mommy rejected daddy. And so I wrote a children's book for my children, just for the two of them, about what 
happened with mommy and daddy. Beautiful. That, you know, such an important step. Because if you get on the defensive with the story, and I'm speaking to you as everybody listening, if you get on the defensive with the story and say, that's not what happened, that's not right, daddy's trying to do this, daddy's trying to set this up, that is confusing to the child. But if you say, now there are two stories, okay, and then the children can refer to them as, where is the evidence in reality that this is true? Obviously, mommy's seeing the children and daddy's seeing the children, so nobody got rejected. No, right? and I didn't, I didn't talk about daddy's story. I, I talked about Perfect. Perfect. Because naturally, my children, and they, do, they still do sometimes, because children, they, they're going through their development, and it's such a huge moment, a, a huge fact in their identity that, that their parents are split, that they continually ask me, why, why did you divorce daddy? That's right. still the way that they ask me, you know, and I say, daddy and I got divorced because, and I explain it to them in my way. And I don't talk about, I don't talk about how, um, ab about my impression of what the other narrative is. And that's perfect. You know, and that's what I was supporting Nikki, because being able to say, all right, you're hearing this over here, but you're going to hear this over here. And so the children get a balanced view, right? They, they, can, they can, as their brain development occurs, they can come into rational linear thought. When they get parietal brain lobe development, when they get prefrontal brain lobe development, hearing the same story, they use different parts of their new capabilities with their brain to make sense of all that. And so when that, that balancing of the two stories is repeated, they can grow along and understand more and more about that. Yes. So the next potential prong, which I did not do, is to take legal action. Um, an, a legal action that one can take in court is to, is to attempt to prove that parental alienation is going on. That's very difficult. It involves a lot of money. It involves a guardian ad litem investigation. Right. And it's really difficult because it's one, it's basically one parent's word against the others, um, as well as the children and, and, and what they say about what's going on in their two households. This is not a step that I took, but it is a, it is a, a potential step that somebody, it, that somebody can take. Mm -hmm. um, it, it definitely is a step that you can take and occasionally you need to take it, but it's a good thing you had it in your plan. Yes, that would have been kind of, you know, the, the last, the last stand. Mm -hmm. um, and this, I, this, I, I consider this to be the most important step, or maybe one of the top two, which is um, to model and teach with my children um, tools and characteristics that will help them deal with the fact that they're receiving mixed messages from their parents, from two people, the two, the two people they trust and love most in the world. Um, and so to, and so I really kind of came up with a list of the types of characteristics that I wanted to model and teach for them. So things like independent thinking. So I talked to my kids about how they own their own opinions and it's okay for them to have an opinion that's totally different from mine. That's totally different from daddy's. That's totally different from their teachers. Like I'm always very inclusive. I never, I never, I have taken, and this is another sort of prong um, that, I, that I didn't put on my list, but I have taken the highest road possible. I am so squeaky clean 
in terms of not engaging in parental alienation myself. I never denigrate their dad. I, I always am encouraging to neutral when he comes up or when I'm saying, have fun with daddy this weekend, that kind of stuff. Like it's so, 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 so important not to kind of sink to, sink to doing the same thing. But basically I model for my kids and I talk with them about independent thinking, about being okay with disagreement and being okay with diversity. So it's okay for people to disagree. It doesn't mean the, that the world is ending. It doesn't mean that, that everyone needs to get anxious about it because just disagreement and conflict are hard. I can say that for myself, hard for me. Mm -hmm. um, and, and empathy and compassion, uh, as well as boundaries. So um, yes. modeling and teaching the setting of and the respecting of personal boundaries with my kids. Excellent items. And I just want to say something about the the idea of being able to hold on to having different opinions without having to reject the human who has them. Because that is a big piece of learning for us to give our children, that we can have differences of opinion, but that doesn't mean that we don't value things about each other and continue to do that, even though in this little piece of life we have a difference of opinion. Maybe it doesn't color our entire relationship with that human. It is just a difference of opinion. So brilliant. I love that, Nikki. Are there more? Two more. Um, so one was um, I am a member of a Unitarian Universalist church and I went to my minister and I had a conversation with her about what was going on and I kind of I received some some spiritual guidance and advice from her and then the last prong um, was to was to speak with some folks at my son's school so this was going on when he was making a transition from pre-kindergarten to kindergarten and so just before or just just after he started kindergarten, I had a conversation with his teacher and I had a conversation with his guidance counselor to let them know receiving some mixed messages, some mixed messages about what was going on in his life from his two parents. Wow, great thinking. I mean, obviously you're a systems person, so <laughs> that really shows up. You've got you've got a good system there, but I'm so glad that you shared that with everyone because there there needs to be a pathway that's clear. And yes, we need all this global information, but it's really good when we have a clear, lineal, rational list of things too. And I'm so glad you're going to share that list with our, our listeners. And you'll find that in the show notes where you can go to get that list from Nikki. So before we end, I just want to tell you a little about Nikki so that you know where she's coming from and what she's up to in life. And she became a professional coach in 2016, and after 15 years in the book publishing industry, which is a very interesting transition, but you can see why she may have been compelled and drawn in this direction. And she has a core coaching program called the Epic Comeback. Don't you love that? Don't we all want to make an epic comeback? <laughs> she helps women build joyful lives after being sidelined by divorce, domestic abuse, illness, or loss. Nikki has a, a bachelor's degree in anthropology from Princeton and a master's degree from the Harvard School of Education. Now, of course, we all know she's a single mom of two. But on the side, Nikki enjoys scuba diving, international travel, and helping women 
rediscover how incredible they are. She's been featured in some major publications like Best Self Magazine, Cosmopolitan, Bustle, and on many podcasts, just like on Emotional Savvy, which is great that you're here. So if you had one thing to say, Nikki, about this journey, this part of your journey, what would you say is the greatest learning that you took from it? Speak up. Speak up. So when you're passionate about something and you think that something, or you know that something is not okay, get on it. Change it. Wow, that's very wonderfully general advice for almost everything in life, let alone parental alienation, isn't it? I mean, to really be an empowered woman, because I know you, you work with women, to be an empowered woman who says, and these are my terms, Nikki, uh, that you have the right to take up space and draw breath. Therefore, you have the right to be assertive. And assertiveness, by my definition, is that you have the right to say what you think, feel, need, and want as long as you do not mention another human by name or pronoun. <laughs> the stakes as, are high when it comes to this topic. The stakes are especially high. They are. And so if you're just speaking from and about yourself, like I talk about in my book, Kaizen for Couples, Yes, it says couples in the title. It's for every healthy relationship you want to create. But you need to know that you have the right to say what you think, feel, need, and want as long as you do not mention another human by name or pronoun. So you're just speaking from what's going on within you and how things are hitting you, what your preferences are, without any you talk so important for us to learn that and it certainly goes right along with your good advice is to speak up and I love what you first did you know the first prong everyone heard of Nikki's approach was to do the research learn something so that you know what you're talking about you've it that research may be sitting in journaling and being very self-reflective so you know how you feel it may be as Nikki did, looking around to see, well, what is parental alienation all about? What are the statistics? How does it happen? What should I notice? All very important because sometimes we just go right off the top of our feelings. And when we do that, I always say, when you blurt, you hurt. And so we come and we just blurt something out and then we've got to deal with the fallout. Never a good plan particularly never a good plan when you're dealing with hijackles, but never a good plan anyway. You want to be prepared when you speak up. And maybe that preparation is just being able to say in the moment, I'm uncomfortable with that. Maybe I can't even define what that is. I'll get back to you. But I want to speak up right now and say, I'm uncomfortable with that. It doesn't sit well. I'm going to have to give that some deep thought and get back to you and know that you have that right to do it. That's what's important. And that's what I hear when you say speak up. Does that sort of capture what you're saying? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, great. Yes. So if you want to get in touch with Nikki, you can go to her website. It's coachnikkibruno.com. Now, there's a million ways it seems to spell Nikki, so I'm going to spell it for you. It's N-I-K-K-I. -I. Okay, I'm Bruno, B-R-U-N-O. So coachnikkibruno.com. 
And I've been there. There's all kinds of good things there for you to have a look at and to understand uh, how Nikki could work with you and help you get some insights. And you've got to love the fact that her approach was to write a children's book to us, have children understand that there are two points of view, mommy's point of view and daddy's point of view. And this happens. And when children see it in a book, whole different thing than when they are emotionally involved between. It's there on the page. They can relate to whomever those characters are that you created. So that's a lovely thing to look for. And her children's books are published by Capstone Press, and they're available on Amazon. So you would just put her name in, Nikki, N-I-K-K-I, Bruno, B-R-U-N-O, and you would find her books. So thank you so much for being my guest today, Nikki. Thank you so much, Dr. Shaler. It's my pleasure. And we've got lots to learn about parental alienation. And if you are experiencing it or have experienced it and you want to have some ways to think and work with that in better ways, let's talk. You can always find me at for relationship help, F-O-R, relationship, H-E-L-P.com. You can come along to my YouTube channel. Guess what? It's also called for relationship help or listen to the Emotional Savvy Podcast, which you are right now, or my other podcast, Save Your Sanity, Help for Toxic Relationships, because if you're in one, you definitely need help. So thank you again to my guest, Nikki Bruno. Find her at coachnikkibruno.com, and I'll look forward to talking with you soon. In the meantime, be strong, and as we both agreed today, speak up. Thanks for being here for today's episode of Emotional Savvy. If you want to deepen your emotional savvy, make shifts in your relationships, and enjoy life and relationships more, work with me, Dr. Roberta Shaler. Get my books, enjoy my courses, or work with me directly. You can do that by visiting forrelationshiphelp.com, F-O-R, relationship, H-E-L-P.com, and subscribe to Tips for Relationships Now. Don't miss a thing. Be empowered this week with more emotional savvy.